Hello everyone and welcome to the Space Monkey X Audio Workshop Presents Bring the Noise, a history of early hip-hop. I'm your host, Rob Lamley. As we discussed in the last episode of Bring the Noise, trying to map a clean timeline from point A to point B in rap history is pretty much impossible. There are far too many influences from different eras and different artists to be able to say this led to that which led to this, especially in the early days of the musical form when no one knew rap would have any kind of lasting or far-reaching impact. One could easily make the case that rap was influenced by everything from slave spirituals to gospel preachers, by black folk tales like Br'er Rabbit and the Signifying Monkey, the speeches of civil rights leaders like Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X, and even the rhyming ropadopes of Muhammad Ali. But there are a few key influences that we'll look at over the course of this podcast series that have been cited by some of rap's earliest pioneers. One of these influences was the namesake of the hip-hop record spinner, the DJ, or, to use his full title, the disc jockey. The original definition of disc jockey was a person that played pre-recorded music, originally on gramophone records, over the radio. The disc in the name refers to the records, while jockey refers to the person operating the equipment, sort of like an outdated expression for a journalist could be a pencil jockey, because they would have used a pencil to do their job. The term goes back to at least 1935, when radio commentator Walter Winchell used it to describe Martin Block, a man often seen as the first famous DJ. At first, DJs did little more than literally place the needle on the record and let it play over the airwaves. In fact, it was African-American Jack Cooper who became the first radio DJ when he started playing jazz and gospel music at WCAP in Chicago in the 1930s. Eventually, DJs began introducing each song, then later interjected the time and the weather, and of course, red advertisements, the lifeblood of radio. In the late 1940s, one of the most innovative DJs at the time was Alan Freed, a jockey from Cleveland who played an unusual mix of blues, country, and rhythm and blues music that he coined a term for, maybe you've heard of it, rock and roll. Rather than dryly read the news and weather, Freed rolled off song titles and ads like a carnival barker, bringing the upbeat spirit of the music he was playing to the rest of his show. He was loved nationwide and inspired more radio DJs to bring their own personality to the airwaves. Soon, every DJ had his own repertoire of jokes, sound effects, and street slang like Daddy-O borrowed from jazz hepcats sprinkled throughout their show. One of the first to be inspired by Freed's style was Maurice Hot Rod Holbert. Holbert started his career in 1949 at WDIA-AM in Memphis, where he took on the stage name Commander Hot Rod and played R&B and soul music. But his career really took off when he was offered a job in Baltimore in 1951 at WITH 1230-AM, becoming the first full-time black DJ at an otherwise all-white radio station. His show, Commander Hot Rod and the Rocket Ship, a sci-fi-themed top 40 and R&B show, became a hit with the black audience WHIT wanted to tap into but was also a surprise hit with young white teenagers who were digging the sounds of Chuck Berry and Fats Domino, as well as Hot Rod's jive-talking cadence. Although Hulbert can't claim to have created the word daddio, he can claim a few slang terms as his own, including VOSA, an acronym that meant Voice of Sound Advice, which he used while reading on-air commercials, essentially giving the product his hot rod seal of approval. However, the most popular was Good Googa a phrase meant to express excitement or amazement, as in, Good Googa that new Chuck Berry tune is hoppin'. 
The phrase has popped up from time to time in pop culture, most notably the proto-rap song Stranded in the Jungle by the doo-wop group The Cadets in 1956. The boys in the jungle had me on the run When something heavy hit me like an atomic bomb When I woke up and my head started to clear I had a strange feeling I was with cooking gear I smelled something cooking and I looked to see That's when I found out they was uh, cooking me Great! Cookamooga! Let me out of here! But it became widespread with radio DJs because it was fun to say and was a sort of sanitized way of saying, oh my god, at a time when that would have not been acceptable on the air. Hot Rod stayed at WITH until 1959 when he was caught up in the Congressional Payola investigations, which saw a crackdown on record labels paying stations and DJs to play records to make them hits. It didn't ruin his career by any means, though, as he continued to bounce around various radio stations including WWRL in New York, WWIN in Baltimore, and WHAT in Philadelphia, until retiring from the air in 1974 to take a sales position at WBGR in Baltimore. He left the business completely in 1991. Sadly, Hulbert died just a few years later on Christmas Eve 1996 at the age of 80. Alan Freed's exuberance and Hot Rod's clever rhyming schemes and inventive wordplay were borrowed and further evolved by dozens of the most popular DJs throughout the 1950s, 60s, and into the 70s. Acts like Paul Fat Daddy Johnson, also out of Baltimore. This is your leader about beginning the season of Soul Vita Fat Daddy, Great Cookalooka Baltimore. You stand by for a song and soul solidified and exemplified and intensified and the boss mood and hide. It's 70 degrees downtown. Good morning to you. Mostly Sunday today and Thursday with highs in the mid-80s. And perhaps best known of all, Wolfman Jack. Oh, fun, fun is on the run. The good part is that I just begun. And oh, the Wolfman got them cosmic delights that he churning out with all his mites. We got the fun, we got the glamour. Oh, Lord, I can't stand all this clamor. All owe a debt to Fried and Holbert, the hip pioneers of the airwaves. Of all the DJs inspired by Hot Rod Hulbert, perhaps the person most directly influenced was Douglas Jocko Henderson. Born in 1918, Jocko began his career in 1952 at WSID, an African-American radio station in Baltimore. Originally planning to be a teacher, Jocko was invited into the DJ booth by a family friend, Chuck Richards, a freelance DJ playing the late shift at WBAL Baltimore. Upon seeing the excitement of the job, Jocko immediately began pursuing a career in radio, much to his family's disappointment. But Jocko was a natural behind the mic, and by 1953 moved from his $1 per hour gig at WSID to $120 a week job at Philadelphia's WHAT. Soon after, he was lured away to rival Philly station WDAS, where he first adopted his on-air name Jocko, sort of the disc jockey version of the popular term Daddy-O. Soon enough, Jocko was commuting between WDAS and WLIB in New York City, performing two shows a day and becoming one of the hardest working men in radio. Later, his show would be syndicated to stations in St. Louis, Detroit, Miami, and Washington, D.C., but he was always a constant presence on the airwaves of New York and Philadelphia. Jocko has often cited Hot Rod Hulbert as his number one source of inspiration, and looking at his career, that's pretty clear. Jocko developed a rhyming style similar to Hot Rod's moving and grooving, wheeling and dealing flow, but he made it his own, stringing together couplets like a regular poet from the jazz scene, and inventing words and phrases just so the rhyme would work. He was also well known for responding to song lyrics, usually with a clever rhyme, often right in the middle of playing the tune, lending a fun, improvisational aspect to the show. Not only did Jocko use some of Hot Rod's famous catchphrases like Gogamoga, but his popular radio show was called Jocko's Rocket Ship Show, similar to his mentors Commander Hot Rod and the Rocket Show. Both were sci-fi themed and both DJs usually dressed in astronaut suits whenever they made public appearances, with Jocko going so far as to call himself the ace from outer space. 
At the peak of Jocko's fame, Jocko's rocket ship show had 50,000 literal card-carrying members of his fan club. A line on the fan club card read, With all courtesies and privileges due a great Gugamuga. You can check out a photo of the fan club card in the show notes. Here's a few samples of Jocko on the air in 1964. Kicked them, baby. You kicked them real good, too. I heard them holler out, child. Bout that. There's the kick of the other, which means once more the big rocket ship show is officially on its way. And this is the big Saturday sound spectacular. Daddy, old mommy, one of the greatest people in the world who've jammed the big rocket. Like to say greetings, salutations. Ooh, Papa, doing how do you do? And it's tonight after Christmas. There was a big one, don't forget that. Yo, Mommy, it's the only one. It's WADO Radio right here in New York City, and I'm thrilled to say it's still the hottest show on the radio with your engineer. Jocko, back on the scene with the record machine. Correct time now, a 10 16. <laughs> It's still the big Saturday sound spectacular of the rocket ship show at your engineer, Jocko, and I'm thrilled to say it's a hello, 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 back with the show. This is your engineer, Jocko. Shorty Filippio, you're about to hear this. Daddy, old mommy, old temptation. Temptation, baby. What you are, girl. Temptation. To make a hungry horse leave his oats. Outside the radio booth, Jocko hosted live stage shows in New York at Lowe's State Theater on Broadway, at Philadelphia's Town Hall, as well as at the Apollo Theater in Harlem. At these shows, he would often descend from the ceiling in a puff of smoke, dressed in a mock spacesuit, riding in a rocket ship prop suspended by wires accompanied by his show's rocket blast sound effect welcoming guests with one of his signature rhymes. Jocko also hosted a weekly rocket ship show on television with a one-year stint on New York's Channel 13 WNTA-TV, which helped solidify his reputation among many in the industry as the Black Dick Clark. In fact, Clark himself was a fan, saying, Jocko had a delivery that was unlike anybody else on the air. 1,001 DJs have copied Jocko's style over the years. Thanks to the popularity of African-American DJs like Hot Rod and Jocko, the 1960s and 70s saw an increase in innovative black DJs on the airwaves, including Gary Bird. Bird was only 15 when he became a part-time DJ on WUFO Buffalo, moving to WWRL in New York shortly after graduating high school. He was given the overnight show, and his only instruction was to keep the people up. Otherwise, he was pretty much given carte blanche to do whatever he wanted. With that type of freedom, Bird developed The Gary Bird Experience, a show that featured R&B and soul hits, as well as his own poetry inspired by the black power and black arts movements going on at the time. One of his poems, Every Brother Ain't a Brother, a piece about his frustration with the community's lack of cohesion during the black power movement, became so popular that it was recorded and released as a single by Real Thing Records in 1970. time for us to face the truth and level with each other. It's time for us to face the fact that every brother ain't a brother. There are some who say to the world at large, I'm no color, I'm just a man. And there are some who say to the folks of town that black power is not their plan. Bird released another single, Soul Travelin', in 1973, this time on RCA Records. Again, the song features a funky, jazzy tune with spoken word lyrics written by Bird. You're just who I was looking for to take with me on this trip. Now, this ride is gonna blow your mind, cause the places we hang are gonna be so hip. 
I'm gonna turn you all to some people who are really deep down into what's happening. Get inside the GVE and let me take your soul traveling. After Rapid hit the scenes in the 1980s, Bird released Presenting the Gary Bird Experience, an album filled with his poetry set to more hip-hop style beats. The lone single from the album, The Crown, only reached number 69 in the R&B charts because its release coincided with MCA Records' purchase of Motown Records, so it didn't get promoted very well. But it rose to number 6 in the UK, where it stayed in the charts for 9 weeks. Although Bird has dipped his toes in television and live shows, he has remained in radio, changing his format from black music to black talk radio in the 1980s. You can still hear him on 107.5 FM WBLS and its sister station 1190 AM WLIB in New York City. Another influential DJ, Frankie Hollywood Crocker, also got his start at WUFO in New York City in the 1960s. Crocker later moved to the only black-owned station in the city, WBLS, becoming its program director. Under his guidance, the station became the number one rated spot on the dial in the 1970s. At the height of his popularity, Crocker had shows on both coasts with a few stations in between. He hosted live shows at the Apollo Theater and even put out a few disco records with his side project, the Heart and Soul Orchestra. Crocker's on-air personality was that of a smooth, confident Casanova, highlighting the sexy side of R&B. Back when he was on WWRL in the late 60s, he called himself the Love Man. Later, he would sign off at night by lighting a candle in the studio, play sound effects of running a hot bath, and inviting the ladies in the audience to join him in the tub. But as flashy as he was on the air, he was just as flamboyant off the air. He was always in the hottest threads, drove fancy cars, and loved to make an entrance, like when he rode a white stallion through the front doors of Studio 54. But Crocker wasn't just a smooth voice. He was known for his eclectic taste in music and his ability to spot trends. And as program director, he pretty much played whatever he wanted, whether it matched WBLS's prescribed R&B format or not. He's been credited for helping acts like Blondie, Madonna, The Clash, and Bob Marley find a bigger audience in America. Due to the mix of music Crocker played, trying to fit his show into any of the pre-existing categories like R&B or pop never quite worked, so Crocker coined his own term, urban contemporary, which is still used today in the broadcast world. Crocker left radio in 1985 to become one of the first VJs on VH1, and later became the host of NBC's Friday Night Videos in the early 1990s. Sadly, Crocker died in the year 2000 after a battle with pancreatic cancer. Like other DJs, Crocker also used rhymes as part of his on-air banter. However, his rhyming style was different from the machine gun patter of earlier jocks. Crocker was slow and methodical, but biting and boastful. Here's Crocker doing his signature introductory rhyme from a 1967 compilation album he lent his name and voice to called The Best of Frankie Crocker, Eighth Wonder of the World. Frankie, do it to it. Uh, suck it to me, mama. Say, baby, this is an album that's bound to put more dips in your hips, more cut in your strut, and more glide in your stride. If you don't dig it, you know you've got a hole in your soul. 
Don't eat chicken on Sunday. Push, girl. Other cats be laughing and joking. Frankie Crocker steady taking care of business, cooking and smoking. For there is no other like this old brother, tall, tan, young and fly. Uh, ow! Anytime you want me, baby, I'm your guy. Get single and I love to mingle. Can I mingle with you, baby? Closer than flights on rice, closer than colds on ice, closer than the collars on a dog, closer than a hammers on a country horn. Gonna get next to you, mama. Say, Scooter, thank you very much for buying our first oldies album. Frankie loves you for and every groove will make you move cause you know what I say baby you get so much with the Frankie Crocker touch after all how can you lose with the stuff I use truly the eighth wonder of the world before me there was none after me there shall be no more aren't you glad you live in a town you can hear the Frankie Crocker sound when the sun goes down let me rap to you mama if I'm all you got I'm all you need. Enjoy the album. I hope it brings you many pleasure listening hours. Frankie loves you. Ciao. The late 1960s and early 70s were primed for rap music. Between the rhyming DJs on the radio dial, the fiery speeches of the civil rights movement, and socially conscious albums combining poetry and music from artists like Gil Scott Heron and The Last Poets, rap almost seems like an inevitability. You will not be able to stay home, brother. You will not be able to plug in, turn on, and cop out. You will not be able to lose yourself on stag and skip out for beer during commercials because the revolution will not be televised. And it was in this atmosphere that Anthony Holloway, a kid growing up in Harlem in the 1960s, became a disc jockey in 1972, taking on the stage name DJ Hollywood. Hollywood was a new brand of disc jockey, though. Instead of being on the radio, he was a DJ at disco clubs. He wasn't the first disco DJ, to be sure, but he truly did change the game. Before Hollywood, the DJ's job was to do little more than announce the titles of the songs as they faded into one another. He might do a little banter before the next song, like, this one will make you move, but the star of the show was the music. But Hollywood couldn't help but outshine the records he spun. In a 2014 Medium article written by Mark Skills, Hollywood says, I was a singer before I ever became a DJ. I had a natural flair for talking over the records. Before me, everybody was just announcing. I used to like the way Frankie Crocker would ride a track, but he wasn't syncopated to the track, though. Guys back then weren't concerned with being musical. I wanted to flow with the record. As a singer, that's what you're supposed to do. I guess I had a natural awareness of when to start talking and when to stop talking over a record. As Hollywood says in the 2016 documentary Hip Hop Evolution, his influences were wide and varied as a kid growing up in New York City. Because that is all I've heard from some early pioneers that you're the first rhythmic rapper they ever saw. So, who were your influences? As a kid growing up, uh, the things that I encountered uh, being with older people, I heard Frankie Crocker, and I heard The Last Poets, and I heard Pick Me Markham. Dewey Pigmeat Markham was an African-American entertainer who came out of North Carolina at the turn of the 20th century. Throughout the 1920s and 30s, he played on the Chitlin circuit, doing vaudeville and burlesque shows, 
and became one of the most popular and prolific entertainers to play at the Apollo Theater. He put out a few comedy albums in the 1960s, but he found wider fame in 1968 when Sammy Davis Jr. did a performance of Markham's signature act, Here Come to Judge, a send-up of the formal etiquette of the courtroom setting on Rowan and Martin's Laughing and Variety Show. Davis's version of the act was such a hit that the producers brought in Markham himself to play the Judge character a few more times on the show throughout the first season. Markham released a recorded version of Here Comes the Judge in 1968, and once you hear it, its influence on rap music is pretty clear. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he, this court is now in session. His Honor, Judge Pigmeat Markham Poseidon. Of swing is just about ready to do that thing. I don't want no tears, I don't want no lies. Above all, I don't want no alibis. This judge is hip, and that ain't all. He'll give you time if you're big or small. Fall in line with this coat is neat. Peace, brother. Whoa, here come the judge. Here come the judge. Everybody know that he is the judge. Pigmy Markham introduced me to the flow of it and the humor. Throw your hands in the air, wave them like you just don't care. If you got on clean underwear, somebody say, oh yeah. Just throw your hands in the air, wave them like you just don't care. And if you came out to work your body this morning, somebody say, oh yeah. I was able to tell a joke. Yeah. I was able to sing to some records. I was able to just rap on other records. And my love for making people smile by saying things that's what we going on. Hey, is, how, many, how many ladies in here have a brick house? Yay! Oh, that ain't no brick house, that's a project. You just wiggle your hips and you rock your knees and you better do any way you please. Now the best way to get into the screen is to act like you're doing the shingling. Hollywood took the rapping baton from Pigmeat and ran with it, hitting his stride in 1975 when he was listening to Isaac Hayes' song Good Love. The lyrics are rhyming or near-rhyming couplets, and they were the kind of Casanova boasting one might expect from Frankie Crocker. After listening to the track over and over again, Hollywood had a spark of inspiration. The lyrics to Good Love would fit perfectly over the final break from Love is the Message by MFSB, an 11-minute disco track. When he performed the two songs together during one of his shows, the crowd reportedly lost their minds, and Hollywood knew he'd hit on something big. Hollywood shows were more than just spinning the latest disco hits. They were an event, and one people were willing to pay to experience. While other DJs were lucky to get $15 for the night, Hollywood was making $500 for an hour. At the height of his popularity in the late 1970s, on a good weekend, he traveled between up to five venues playing records for an hour at a time, bringing home $2,500 a night. Plus, he was the opening act at the Apollo Theater, where it said he made $1,500 a night. $6,500 for a weekend of work in 1969 is like making nearly $23,000 today. But the club owners knew that Hollywood could bring in a paying crowd, because you're not making $500 an hour unless the club is making a lot more. At first, Hollywood was just rapping over existing breakbeats or lulls in the lyrics of a regular disco tune. But much like the B-Boys and B-Girls at a Cool Herc party, disco dancers also loved shaking it to the breakbeats. 
So eventually, club DJs used techniques similar to Herc's merry-go-round to extend the break using two and sometimes three turntables. As with Herc, this became a full-time job for club DJs, which left little time for banter or especially rapping. But this would change, just as disco was hitting its stride. Before the mid-1970s, pop singles were limited to about 3 minutes and 30 seconds, the amount of music that would fit on a standard 7-inch vinyl single, also known as a 45. But as disco became more experimental, like Donna Summer's 1975 smash hit Love to Love You Baby, a nearly 17-minute song, 12-inch singles became more frequent. Soon after, club DJs, who had more power to make or break a record than a radio DJ on a strictly controlled commercial station, began demanding that record companies extend the breakbeats in the studio so the DJ didn't have to do it live in the club. This resulted in the common practice of a club mix 12-inch single, which was often much longer than 3 minutes and 30 seconds, while also having better sound because the grooves on the record weren't as close together. At first, these extended mixes were just given to DJs, but eventually they were sold to the general public as well. On a similar but much lower fi note, hip-hop DJs, who didn't have the clout of a club DJ, were making their own extended mixes on cassette by making pause tapes. The technique involved playing a breakbeat on record while simultaneously recording it on a cassette tape. When you want the loop to happen, you hit pause on the tape, move the needle back on the record, and then start recording on the tape again. It often wasn't perfect, but the result was a much longer breakbeat with much less effort and without the need for unwieldy and expensive DJ equipment. With extended mixes becoming the norm, this left room for more on-the-mic banter and DJ Hollywood-style rapping, both in the Manhattan disco clubs and in the Bronx hip-hop parties. This shift even affected DJ Hollywood, whose rapping became a major focus of his show. In this clip from a live show at the Armory in 1979, Hollywood is on the mic and his friend and DJ, Lovebug Starsky, a rapper in his own right, is on the wheels of steel. Hands, everybody, everybody, clap your hands. We want to hear you clap your hands. Everybody, everybody, clap your hands. Now I don't mean to brag or boast. I'm like the hot butter on your morning toast. I'm not a Duracell, I'm an alkaline, so let's have a... Oh, that's right, y'all, and you don't stop a beat bar. Now we want everybody to get somebody. Come on, let's have a little fun out here. We're going to give you 40 seconds to find you a fine young lady and bring her to the dance floor. Everybody, come on. And you don't stop a keep on. Yes, it's Hollywood, I turn out, because that is all I'll be about. We're going to see if we can't get everybody dancing. Come on, fellas, don't stand around. Get a fine foxy mama. If Wolfman Jack was here, he's trying to tell you, get one of those fine foxy mama, something like this. Somebody say, that's like that. Got something good for your eyes. Something to keep you satisfied. Talking about some heaven. Medicine. And you don't stop, I keep on. I just a hip hip to hop, but don't stop. Everybody, come on, let's body rock. Now I rock the free, and I freak the rock. Now I'm playing the music, and I just can't stop. Once again, with a feeling that's so divine. Let's have a, let's have a. Oh, that's right, Joe. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, now we got all the people in the house in the back. They ready to rock. All you people in the front, just turn around and get somebody. Now, if you're listening to Hollywood on the mic and feeling like there's quite a bit of similarity to the first rap record, Rapper's Delight, that's not an accident. As I said earlier, Hollywood's act was a huge draw and brought in a lot of money for clubs. His rhyming style was infectious and popular, and people like Sylvia Robinson of Sugar Hill Records wanted to capitalize on that because that's where the money was. In contrast, rappers like Grandmaster Kaz were in the park parties and smaller clubs doing their own version of rapping and were arguably more influential when it comes to what we now know as hip-hop. But at that time, they weren't making the money like Hollywood was. Russell Simmons, founder of Def Jam Records, puts it best in the documentary series Hip Hop Evolution. There were a lot of rappers in the street, and they were popular, and they would draw a lot of people for a dollar. 
but Hollywood would draw people for $6.50. Hollywood was the one who got paid, and he's the one who had a big car. So Hollywood was the star. For many musical historians today, the Grandmaster Kaz style of rhyming is called hip-hop, and the DJ Hollywood style of rhyming is often categorized as disco rap. But to the average listener in 1979, there was no distinction. They were both just called rap music. And when you have one style that's so popular that the originator is making $500 an hour, that's the one you emulate if you're a record producer. It all comes down to economics, pure and simple. And much like we've already seen on Bring the Noise, it's not necessarily about who does the thing first, but who gets the most exposure. In this case, Hollywood was making the money, he was the talk of the town, so his style of rap became the mainstream when it was emulated on Rapper's Delight and in the early days of commercial hip-hop. In Hip Hop Evolution, Simmons seems to agree, saying this about DJ Hollywood. I don't know if people, you know, have given him the proper respect. And was he not hip hop? <laughs> he was hip hop too. Don't take my word for it, take the crowds. We talk about rap. Hollywood was the best. He's the best pure rapper. He was the one who opened the door. He was the one, he's the reason they made a rap fucking record. Unfortunately, Hollywood couldn't translate his popularity in the club into a hit on record. Right now, girl, in your neighborhood, yes, once again, it's Hollywood. And if you don't dance, you know you should. So get out of your seat and let your fingers pop, because the Hollywood is just about ready to rock. I'm prepared to get down. He released Shock, Shock the World on CBS Records in 1980 to Little Fanfare, then tried again in 1986 with Whoever It May Concern. but it also failed to make a splash, leaving his legacy in the club and not on the airwaves. If a club DJ like Hollywood had borrowed from the radio DJs, there was no reason a radio DJ couldn't borrow from the club DJ right back. In the late 1970s and early 80s, the ace from outer space, Douglas Jocko Henderson, used his revolutionary rhyming skills in the radio booth to release his own series of disco rap singles in the early days of the genre. In fact, according to Jocko, he released the first rap record six months before Sugar Hill Gang hit it big with Rapper's Delight. Sadly, this claim can't be confirmed with any more accuracy than the year 1979, when Jocko released his first rap single, Rhythm Talk, from Philadelphia International Records. Rhythm Talk features Jocko rapping over an instrumental version of Ain't No Stoppin' Us Now by the disco duo McFadden and Whitehead, not coincidentally also from Philadelphia International Records. The original disco tune was a major hit for McFadden and Whitehead, reaching number one on the R&B charts and number 13 on the Hot 100, as its message of perseverance struck a chord with African Americans at the time. Jocko's version is a sort of greatest hits collection of his disc jockey days, repeating some of the same rhymes and catchphrases he was best known for, as well as new verses, mostly telling the listener how amazing he is. Throughout the 7 minute and 15 second runtime, Jocko raps about everything from his custom made underwear to his prowess in the bedroom to the price of lamb at the grocery store. The best 
in the world, you can bet on that, ain't here It's putting nobody down, but pound for pound, I'm the best around I'm the middleweight champ at 163, you gotta be bad to hang with me You gotta rock it with the jock, like a boot on the dock, I'll pop a dock and do the boogaloo too Oop, pop, bang a lang a loo, I got tons and tons of fun for you Mama good, gotta rock around the clock. Mama jam, pop a clock, bang the boom, tang, tang, real good. Eat it, yuck, this is the jock, and I'm back on the scene with a rap machine. Said, step, step, bam, check, got this bad jam. Got to holler my loud and clear. Party is over here. Despite some great rhymes and the tongue twisting talents of Jocko, the record failed to become much of a hit in America outside of the Philadelphia region. Oddly enough, the song did, however, reach number 56 on the British charts in February of 1980. Whether it came out before rappers delight or not, the fact that it was released by a 61-year-old man couldn't have helped its chances. Hip-hop was a genre fueled by young people's spirit and energy, and Jocko wasn't a young man anymore. No amount of past fame on the airwaves was going to change that. Undeterred, Jocko tried again with The Rocket Ship, also on Philadelphia International Records, also in 1979. The song is a rather dizzying mixture of sounds, ranging from buzzing electronic synthesizer versions of American folk songs to twanging electric guitars broken up by traditional jazzy interludes. It's so all over the place it's actually somewhat uncomfortable to listen to, but it's not without its charms. Needless to say, this more experimental sound wasn't a hit with audiences either. I was about to board my rocket ship when this fox said to me, may I take a trip? She was stacked so good at five I took a look at her and said, that's for me. The rocket ship hatch was closed nice and tight, and I knew she was mine for the rest of the night. Everything was ready, all systems were gold. We blasted in the space with a zero. And yet, Jocko still kept putting out music, this time releasing Everybody's Uptight Trying to Get Their Money Right, a hip-hop screed against, well, everything in 1983 for Sugar Hill Records. The song was trying to capture the same lightning-in-a-bottle success that Sugar Hill Records saw the year before with the seminal socially conscious rap song The Message by Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. But Everybody's Uptight is weirdly apocalyptic and judgmental, blaming everyone from the government to drug addicts to gold-digging women for people's money problems, while also talking about the tragedies of teenage prostitution, the nuclear arms race, and Reaganomics. It's just too much doom and gloom on a global scale that it's impossible to relate to in comparison to the much more grounded concerns expressed on the message. Also, there are some very surreal production choices in the song, like the presumably sexy backup singers crooning about inflation all across the nation. I can understand why it wasn't a hit with the kids. Everybody's uptight. Everybody's uptight. Trying to get their money right. Trying to get their money right. Jocko, Jocko, where you been? I've rapped with Reagan, now back again. When you can't find a job, you're in a hell of a fix. Reagan, I'm mixed. you in a bag of tricks. Things are bad. No relief in sight. Everybody's uptight. Trying to get their money right. Holler loud, holler 
Bear, holler if you need some help out there. Whole lot of people need a whole lot of help. No ifs, ands, or buts. Government is kicking our butts. Despite his less than stellar showing as a rap artist, Jocko clearly saw that rap music was the future. Shortly after he'd released his first albums, Jocko attended a special event at a Philadelphia school where he was greeted by hundreds of kids reciting some of his signature rhymes. This sparked in him an idea. If I was rapping a school lesson, would they remember that too? So Jocko, the school teacher in training turned radio DJ, came back to education by founding Get Ready, a program that offered cassette tapes and workbooks that taught lessons using rap lyrics. So to learn about the founding of America, kids might learn this rap. The Continental Congress was very upset. Things were getting out of hand, on that you can bet. The colonies were nobody's fool. They had to get away from British rule. We're gonna jam jam rebob shabam, gonna learn how America became our land. Or for the lesson on fractions, they might sing this little ditty. A fraction is two numbers, looking so fine, with one number on top, the other under the line. That line is a fraction means two things for sure. It means over or divided by, and nothing more. The Get Ready program was used in some Philadelphia and New York schools, and studies showed that kids' test scores improved after they were implemented. Unfortunately, I couldn't find any concrete information about how successful the program ultimately was. However, many newspaper articles written around the time of Jocko's death in the year 2000 mention it was used across the country. I have to admit that when I pulled the 12-inch Rhythm Talk single out of the record crate at the Antique Mall that fateful day, I had never heard of Jocko or his song before. Amidst all the old R&B and disco albums in that Antique Mall booth, I could have easily ignored this record and thrown it back into the crate. But for whatever reason, I decided to use my phone and look it up on YouTube to see what it was all about. As soon as I heard the song, I knew I couldn't leave it behind. I felt like I'd found a missing link in the story of rap music. And I think for a lot of people, the connection between rap music and these old-school radio DJs is sort of a missing link. But without those radio pioneers, DJ Hollywood might never have tried his hand at reading the lyrics of one song over the music of another. And without DJ Hollywood, we wouldn't have the Sugar Hill Gang. And without the Sugar Hill Gang, we wouldn't have rap records. Like all great cultural movements, the past touches the present, which brings about the future. And for that, I thank those Hepcat Daddios of the airwaves. In the next episode of Brain the Noise, the evolution of hip-hop will continue with a group that combined the music of the Manhattan discotheque with the style of the Bronx Park Parties, all while proving that this new genre of music wasn't just for the boys. Make sure you subscribe today so you don't miss a beat. And while you're at it, fire up your Spotify account for the Bring the Noise podcast playlist. After every episode, I'll be putting together a playlist for that episode filled with songs from the featured artists as well as other music mentioned in the show so you can follow along with rap history as it blossoms into the world of hip-hop we know today. Check out the show notes for a link to this episode's playlist or just search for Bring the Noise Podcast in the Spotify app and you'll find them all. Please subscribe and review the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter and on Instagram at smxaudio, and check out the website spacemonkeyx.net for today's show notes, as well as links to other workshop podcasts. As always, thanks for listening to the latest episode of Bring the Noise, a history of early hip-hop presented by the Space Monkey X Audio Workshop. This has been your host, Rob Lamley. I'll see you all next time. Do it in the closet, up against the wall, shake your buns by the guns, to the beat the drums, turn your boom tang loose and have big fun. Great! Booga with the booga, sooga booga, this is the jock and I'm talking to you. What I got you be against the law, I can suck it to you, mama, make you scream for more. Senses rating me double X, after you, mama, your sister's legs. I make your knees freeze, back crack, liver quiver, you like it like that. I'm beautiful.